this third person a third voice wait a second what's going on what's going on Elena, are you two people now who knows oh who shit knows? <laughs> but today <laughs> on bet you wish this was on our podcast we are joined by a very dear very close friend of ours who also went to uh, our university when we did our masters in the netherlands so everyone welcome sylvia purbeite <laughs> Hi. Hi! I'm waving <laughs> at the screen of my laptop. That's not very helpful on a podcast. I know. But it's the thought that counts. True, true. True, true, true. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. So, Sylvie's in LA. How's it she going? She is. There? Everything's um, fine. Lockdown mood. TM. Fine TM. <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah. What are you talking about? Never better. <laughs> yep, it's a dream for introverts. Oh my god, guys, guys! I thought here's the problem: Elena, living in Florida, and looking at all of this nonsense, it's tough. Because yeah. like, this is spring break territory. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yes. Oh, I saw a bit, uh, an interview of some spring spring breakers and how they were not going to stop. If I get COVID, I get COVID. I'm not going to let that ruin my screaming. Uh, (laughs) I guess it's time for hashtag YOLO. Stay inside, you guys. Wash your hands. No. I thought we were over with that. I think I thought it was done. Please no more YOLOing. I thought we... But what are we going to talk about today? Well, so we decided, you and I, Me and over you. strong strong drinks yes. and lots of <laughs> sighing, decided that our contribution to the pandemic, the pandemic mania, is to also throw our voices into the ether and kind mm. of create more art spaces as we shut down art spaces. Yep, And to kind of engage, like, what the status of museums is during these end days type Don't situation. call them end days. The end times are nigh, <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're stuck at home doesn't mean it's the end days. <laughs> My mother had to stay home for 24 hours, and she's already making projects. It's fantastic. It's terrifying. I talked to my mom today and she said she had, she, uh, t- like yesterday was the first time in 12 days that she left the house. And I was like, mom. Holy shit. Seriously? Mom. 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 Just drive. <laughs> drive around. That's, that's also going on. That's what my family's doing. They're just driving around places. So what are we uh, talking about? I guess is what we're trying to. To introduce us all to. And ultimately, we're going to talk about the current state of the arts and heritage field, specifically museums, but like all of it. Because um, as we've all become affected in one way or another by this crisis and by this pandemic, I think it's important to kind of like understand where things currently are. And that's the problem is that, so we're recording this on March 26th. Yep. And so a lot, a lot, a lot will change between now and next week. And I completely understand that. And we, your 
faithful hosts are going to try our mm-hmm. best to keep you updated and keep you posted on how things develop. Um, I know that today, no, what was it? Um, yeah, as of the 26th, as of today, the Senate has passed the $1.8 trillion uh, stimulus bill. What was that about? Um, essentially, American government right now is creating a like a base blank check that they're going to be sending out to everyone, every American currently affected by the, um, the economic effects of the pandemic. Mm. So every business, every individual, every, with every exception, of course, but like we're, we're currently looking deeply at to how this bill is going to be parsed. They have some breakdown numbers of it, but I haven't had a chance to, I haven't had the emotional strength to go through it yet, (laughs) but um, by the time this episode comes out, I'll have gone through it and I'll put a blurb either on Twitter or on the Instagram kind of explaining like where museums stand in the stimulus package Hmm. because it's really, really scary right now. Um, I saw a statistic somewhere that said that one third of all American museums that have shut down may never reopen again. Yep. Hi guys. Welcome to Adventure Wishes with our podcast. (laughs) Sob. Holy fuck. I wish it was in our podcast. Ah, but yeah, we need to talk about this uh, as hard as it was to research it because it was very overwhelming yeah. to read all of these articles talking about all of these museums closing down that might never open again. And uh, like even like the big, big museums like the Met saying that with these, they will probably lose like a hundred million dollars uh, and that like they're going to be close till July. And uh, I I read this New York Times article about that, uh, about Met and what they're doing. And they said, like, uh, there's a quote. So if even a behemoth like Met with an operating budget of $320 million and an endowment of $3.6 billion is anticipating such a steep financial hit smaller institutions may not be able to survive at all yeah and to think about that it's just like mind-blowing and so sad so Uh, i kind of just want to start this off in this framework we are not doctors obviously um nope and we are not economists either so no what we know is essentially that as of March 11th, 2020, um, the WHO has decided that, or has declared this to be a pandemic, that the COVID-19 outbreak is a global entity that we do not know what the ultimate scope of it will be. Um, But what we want to bring forward now is a deep dive or like a cursory introduction to what is currently happening, who is most affected in our field, the field that I think that we all deeply care about um, and what that looks for in terms of hope and in terms of a healthy amount of um, concern. Because so... um, while the Met itself in that same article was explaining how um, they the Met has an emergency fund. What was it? The one of yeah. $50 million to create... Yeah, um, yeah, to create resources for acquisitions and programming towards operating expenses, fundraising, um, and pursuing government assistance... Um, yes. The most terrifying part of all of it 
is the is this one that the Met is having their employees work from home until April 4th. And until then, um, they're figuring out who they can lay off. So from April to July, they'll be evaluating how to control spending and reduce operation costs, um, including freezing discretionary expenditures and hiring. And then from July to October, they're hoping to reopen with a reduced program and lower cost structure that anticipates lower attendance, at least for the next year, due to reduced global and domestic tourism and spending, end quote. Yeah. I hate this. So <laughs> a lot of people being laid off, a lot of people uh, being left out uh, in the forest, or I don't know, how do you say that? what's the saying that goes along with that yeah uh on dry basically they don't have any income now especially when you need income and you need insurance and it's like what are you doing met (laughs) and apparently they didn't didn't even let the uh the council that decides like the how how wow okay (laughs) so the apparently the council that decides or that resides over the actual employees of the museum was not informed of this decision at all and they were like what what are they doing (laughs) it's just and that yeah 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 well, that's the thing, right? So New York is a um, – unions are facing interesting and tough times because of the fact that it's, – it's, it's this weird system and this weird um, terrifying practice that who is going to be hired – who is going to remain hired? What is going to be the um, the parameters of firing all of these people? It is better to be fired than to quit during this time because then you can impl- like apply for unemployment. And we just saw a couple mm. billion dollars get put into the unemployment um, welfare uh, subsidies here in the United States with this past uh, stimulus bill being so like Mm. so there will be a lot of really scary news being like all of these people have been fired but firing is actually um from a financial point of view it's better for them because of the fact that they can then claim unemployment what's scary is then will they be rehired when this is all over or or are museums going to continuously reduce their staff levels and how much of what is happening in museums will be operated by a full-time employee are we going to start seeing the rise of independent freelancers operating certain events in museums like there is in the uk um which you should follow the museum freelancer twitter while I'm thinking about it because they have incredible resources for those who might have to look into that kind of future. Mm. Um, I think it's the UK branch only, but in terms of like ideas and stuff, but like it's a lot. And it is definitely a lot. So on the 18th of March, um, seven days after the WHO declared this pandemic. Um, the American Alliance of Museums, the AAM, um, asked mm. Congress to allot $4 billion to nonprofit museums, where um, Congress and the Senate were petitioned that um, the existential threat from closures would affect all museums and 
nationwide, our museums are losing at least $33 million a day due to the closures as a result to COVID-19 and will be in desperate need of significant federal support to maintain jobs, secure our cultural heritage, help rebuild our nation's tourism industry, and simply to survive the months to come. Um, And that was from Laurel Lott, the president and CEO of the American Alliance of Museums. Um, as well as leaders of six other cultural institutions. It's <laughs> it's scary. Yikes, Isn't that indeed. the worst part about this, is how scary the uncertainty of the future is? Always, but also specifically right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, at least, uh, like, a lot of people had their jobs, their, like, day-to-day lives, and it was all in order, and now it's all, like, coming down. And it's not even just museums. There's a lot of stuff closing down, and uh, we're just... Everything... We're just on the brink of an economic collapse. Everything will be affected. It hasn't already collapsed. Everything, everything, everything will be affected. Yeah. And... uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on now to kind of fix the situation on the digital front. Uh, so there's a bunch of museums going online and virtual tours and stuff like that. And they, there used to be before this, too, but now it's like uh, more marketed and more like prevalent because everyone's at home. So what are you going to do? But um, I read this really cool article uh, from Artnet mm-hmm. about social distancing, social distancing in art, and I don't really like calling it social distancing because technically you're still being social, yeah. but you're physically distancing, so it should be physical distancing. <laughs> but that's a different point. That's a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what this article talked about was how, even though we're consuming like all of these online museums and stuff like that and cultural stuff uh, on the internet it's still so um, empty and still like it's not the same as going to a museum because going to a museum is a whole event so like you go out and it's social events and it's you go with your friends or you 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 interact with people and it's completely different and when you're isolated and on your computer and you have to do it alone kind of kind of makes it feel more more isolating Mm -hmm. than it then it would if you went if, if you weren't in that situation well that you're, you're no in. longer engaging all of your senses is also what that was talking about where like you're only looking at something and hearing something but you don't get to smell or feel or touch or you know like all Just walk around the physical the 3d nature of interacting with your spaces and the yeah. the constant temptation to reach your hand out and to touch the thick layer of paint you know <laughs> but you're you're missing all of it because of the fact that um you don't have you're not there you don't you don't get to feel the cold air of your museum. The only way to really achieve this would be with like, um, do you remember that that 4D concept that they that uh, movies used to try to do, where they would? Um, I remember this one movie I went to where they would not only like fill the room with perfume just to make you feel like it smelled during certain things, but. Um, Disney had this one ex- uh, this one ride where they splashed you with water. Wild. Uh, I still have it. <laughs> Splash water mountain. No, not the water <laughs> ride. <laughs> yeah, that's that's four D for you, right that's there. Four D for you, baby. <laughs> but that's it. Is that it's the social interaction? It's the guards. It's the front of house. It's the the physicality of standing in front of a piece that is like taller than you are and bigger than you are or so small that you have to get so close to it. It's you're no longer interacting with these spaces in the way that these spaces were meant to be seen. And not to 
discredit digital art, you know, no, or digital museum spaces that. or online content, because I think like that is where museums are trying to go to. And this is a way to actively to, to troubleshoot and to experiment with the ways that your museum wants to, you know, actually wants to um, engage with online presence. Um, Is it enough to pander to an Instagram crowd by posting like random pieces of art and trying to sound intelligent and engaging? Or do you want community? Do you want communication? And do you want participation? Do you want people to hashtag museum selfie? Do you want people to, um, <laughs> go on and ask and Q and a with you? Do you, what, like, what kind of influencer do you want to be in the world? Mm-hmm. And especially for smaller museums that don't have the same clout that, um, museums like the Guggenheim or the Tate or, um, the Met or the Uffizi, like what kind of, what kind of pull can your smaller institution bring and what kind of intimate experience can you offer? Are you trying to bring people in through the door or are you trying to engage with them online type thing? Um, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of the reason why virtual museums are so, um, like uncomfortable, I think. Because it is trying to superficially replicate an experience that can't be replicated. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, um, it definitely has its uses. Yes. And you can, uh, there are some virtual tours that are, of course, better than others. Not um, all. And you can. Not all museum virtual <laughs> tours are created equal, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sadly, but <laughs> but uh, like there are some that are like good for your if you're studying something, if you're researching, if you just want to see everything up close and personal and in detail that you can't really do at a museum or a place that you go to. For example, the Sistine Chapel tour is really nice. You can see every single uh Paint, painting and every single wall uh, wow frescoes yeah but I mean which is great <sighs> because minute. realistically you're only allowed to spend half an hour in the Sistine Chapel yeah exactly and if you want to spend more time if you want to view everything more in detail and see everything uh, and maybe prepare yourself even for going there and actually looking at the real thing or doing it after or even just for research purposes it definitely has its benefits and it's uh, it's nice to uh, see and that that tour specifically i really enjoyed mm-hmm. but then uh but then also the the whole experience like you said of going into the sistine chapel is probably completely different sadly i haven't been there yet yet but, but that's the beautiful thing right is that it's not like these places are going away. No. The uh-huh. Notre Dame can only burn down like six times before we finally give up on it. So like <laughs> <laughs> we will rebuild and we can go see it. And the um the Sistine Chapel and the you know, like there's so much that is unknown. But at the end of the day, arts and culture remain, right? Um, And we'll quickly turn to you, our dear Sylvia, because you witnessed a really interesting phenomenon due to this pandemic. Um, Against all best wishes, you were recently in Japan, were you not? (laughs) Yes, it's like interrogation. Interrogation begins. Yeah, I I went to Japan um, on March fifth, I believe. Time travel is 
a mess, honestly. Mm-hmm. Time is fake. And uh, and a mistake, most probably. But <laughs> um, I spent glorious 16 days, I believe, in Japan and had not visited a single museum there. And my heart is sad and I feel like mm-hmm. I will have to go back there for sure. And um, for sure, many, many other places have been closed as well as I as I as far as I've looked at, they've been closed since the 28th of February, just the end of February, where Japan got obviously quite a few cases of the virus. And yeah. uh, everyone started panicking ever so slightly, but not so in, so much to postpone the Olympic Games or to Yay. which has been like which which happened like two days after I left. And yep. um, my friend <laughs> told me that now the only things left in the supermarkets are very expensive things, which makes me sad mm. and Aww. worried Checks about out. people who are in need. Um. Yeah, so it was a very interesting trip. Um, not the, I think what um, was very like it changes your whole experience of the country. Uh-huh. It made me it made me think how much like I'm I love museums and I go there, just you know, as a fan, as a fan girl. <laughs> um, But also as a tourist, how it shapes the way you understand the country and what you discover and what you don't discover because these places are closed. So my 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 whole trip was basically temples and shrines, and now I think that Japan is crazy spiritual. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) yeah, that's that's just how it is. Um, But you were telling us yes. You were telling us about how um, these places, though, mm-hmm. were almost empty when it comes oh. to like yeah. being able to interact with these spaces and not have to fight with a hundred other tourists yeah. in the same kind of like vicinity. Yeah, exactly. That's how it's also it's so there are almost no tourists. So all these pla- you can have all these places for yourself, and there might be a few locals wandering around, and it's a completely different experience where you see, you know, all mm, I don't know these temples that are like pictures from them are so popular. You would think it, the the place is just crowded, and when you go there, it's just empty. It's a, it's a bit sad. To, like you know, and at a certain point, you start mm. feeling like, "Am I the only crazy person <laughs> that is here?" Should <laughs> like, am, is there something wrong? And uh, yeah, my friend kept comparing because she visited most of the places in Kyoto and Osaka and yeah, many other things. She visited them before, and she kept on comparing. Oh, this was so crowded mm. when I was here the last time, and this was so busy and. So many people were here and yeah, but then, yeah, we still saw, I mean, most of the crowds are in the cities. I believe Tokyo is still full of people that hasn't changed uh, with or without tourists. It's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, complete, definitely like the, when there's no, no people it uh, you have a completely different experience. Them with the crowd yeah it changes uh when you have a frame of yeah. reference like your friend did of like being there before and coming yeah. back and seeing it it kind of like is completely a different world but when you see it for the first time that way it's like is this how it is or is it just yeah exactly like exactly <laughs> and yeah but it's it's uh what can you do i mean it's beneficial to that everything is closed also and uh health and safety matters most at this moment and we just have to follow the rules right try to protect our family members and protect each other and try to 
um, stay away from large crowds and wash our hands and all that things that are they t- telling us to do. Well, and so that's where I think like what you what we collectively can offer is um, if you go around the internet today, there are a ton of hashtags um, of people just trying to like communicate and engage with each other and try to um, especially since we are sharing this collective quarantine depending on where you live and depending on how closely you follow it and depending on your country or state's like severity and warning levels um, and what that means and what it means for you Um, at the end of the day we just want to stay safe (laughs) yeah even if it Um, is costing us museums (laughs) yeah but there are so many things that like what I find the most helpful and what I find the most beautiful are the amount of museum professionals who are taking to the internet and creating like the, um, the a museum tour in 60 seconds or a, an object a day or trying to keep people abreast as to like what is actually happening or even something as cute <laughs> Even something as cute as like the, um, I, I put, I sent you guys this article, but I don't know if you've looked at it, but it's essentially, um, institutions. So fellow museums are sending virtual flowers with the hashtag museum bouquet Mm. along with like messages of kindness and thanks and even poems. And it's so, it's really cheesy is what it is, but I think it's so cute. So like you have. Um, this one example is like the New York Historical Society um, wrote this letter to the Renwick Gallery. And so it says, Dear at American Art, we wanted to brighten your day with these apple blossoms by American painter Martin Johnson Heed. We hope this hashtag museum bouquet makes you smile today. Very cute. And it's so like, cute. <laughs> I think it's so cute. And and it's kind of that stuff where it's like, or you have the, um, oh, or you have this one where it's like the National Portrait Gallery of the United States um, sent roses are red, violets are blue. We wanted to share Duke Ellington's flowers with you. Mm-hmm. And they sent that to uh, the National Museum of African Art, uh, African History and Culture. Mm. And then it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, <laughs> y'all are so yeah. cheesy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you kind of have to show solidarity yeah, at I mean, times like these. Cheese is yeah. always yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah. Cheese is fine. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Go for it. Dive right into it. Oh, man. <laughs> Or you've got the Guggenheim with its bouquet of the of Jeff Koons' puppy. Because mm-hmm. oh, it's currently in bloom because it's spring so, and everyone's allergies should be terrifying them right now. Of course. Now. Oh, yes. Of course. I've, I've seen a lot of articles you know, like, of, like um, is, uh, how to distinguish between allergies and coronavirus. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Step one. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's the same. You get stuffy nose, you get uh, you get uh, your throat all dry. You just sneeze um, the hell out of everything, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> Guys, as someone who is always sick, allow me to tell you that I woke up with a sore throat the other day, and I thought I legitimately had to make peace <laughs> with my maker. I was like, this is it. Talk about jumping to conclusions. The Rona has come for me. <laughs> uh, I hate it. There was a there's a chocolate though. called Corona that's like a Russian Russian uh chocolate. Like, and there was a song of it and now like the Georgian memes are just like all over the place with that with that song and everyone's okay. singing it. <laughs> Do you uh, know of it, Sylvie? Was no, it, but uh, we Lithuania? Oh, weird. So I guess is it called Corona? Like uh yeah yeah. Well, we we have a Lithuanian chocolate called Karuna, which means the same thing. But uh, 
Huh. Yeah. I didn't know about the Russian one, but yeah, of course. Of course there's yeah, <laughs> for sure. Of course. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the the no song doubt, no is doubt. from from I don't know, the early 2000s and it's super super like manufactured or so, like like uh, auto-tuned and it's so cringy uh. and it's everywhere and it's driving me insane. That sounds delicious though. We kind of need that kind of artificial early 2000s energy to get through this, I think. Well, we can try. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a really bad thing to happen to brands that are called yeah. Corona. Uh, I think Corona yeah. beer is oh, doing just fine. I don't know. What I to mean, do. for you, but usually what I see are like pictures of Corona beers being left at stores. It's the only thing that's being <laughs> no one buying them more for us. Oh god, exactly. Yeah. I think that I, someone told me that there was an article saying that people like there was a survey and people say like a significant amount of people think that Corona beer is related to the coronavirus. <laughs> like if you drink it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why people are not buying it. Oh, uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So it it's goes, not connected it, to it. Yeah, it goes yes. from sad to ridiculous to devastating. Yeah. Sounds like the human experience. Yeah. Imagine picking a name for your company and in like 10 to 20 years, it turns out that there's a virus with the same name now. Exactly. Uh, you <laughs> and your my... business is crashing because of it. You mean my influenza enterprises isn't going to do well <laughs> because the common flu is named after? Come on. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, it's like Lufthansa, but called influenza. Do you see? It's, it'll be. It'll work. Good luck with that. Um. But like, um, I think what's interesting and what people need to remember is that while museums are closed and while galleries are dark and while um, cultural heritage sites have to be unvisited. We live in a very modern, very technologically advanced society in which um, since like the early 2010s, a lot more institutions have been trying to um, put their collections online. I know digitizing mm. your collection is a huge and what I think is going to be an even bigger um, internal push yeah. at a museum yeah. because of the fact that like that is part of what some people's entire jobs are to do yeah. is just digitize collections and so I think we're going to see a rise in that and so I would check your local museum and your local museum's website and look at their digitized collection and see what's available and either react to it online just to bring more attention to it or to like engage with it in a way that you can then incorporate into your daily life whether it's to use it as inspiration for mm. your own work whether it's a poem a book like a story a short story a poem a book a painting you know just, yeah. just to adopt art that you see in nature and use it for your own selfish desires because that's the thing that we're really lacking these days. Um, and I think one of the coolest rabbit holes to, to fall down um, is a resource that I barely use but I love very much, which is Google's uh, Art and Culture. Ooh, we're back Google at Art it. Art and Culture. <laughs> back at it again. <laughs> Back at it again with the Google A and C. Um, for those of you who don't know, allow me to blow your brains. Um, it's an online platform done by our benevolent Lord and Savior, Google, <laughs> um, where you can access high resolution images of artworks that um, they collected with like museums and government's permissions. Um, 
and you can find like you can find so much. I think they currently have up to 200 different museums that they're working with, but I think the 17 that they started with included museums like the Tate Gallery in London, the Metropolitan Museum of Art of New York, and the Uffizi in Florence. And like, it's really cool because you can tour the entire world with it. You can get everything from tiny shrines in Japan to um, the Guggenheim in New York and everything in between. Um, you can even find my last internship at the Google mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Arts and Culture. They worked right above us. It was wild. <laughs> nice. That will be the Australian National Maritime Museum. Look it up. <laughs> and so that's part nice of it. Is that, like, <laughs> the, the coolest parts about Arts and Culture Google is the virtual gallery tour but more than anything it's the artwork view function where you can curate your own exhibition your own virtual exhibition with works from all over the world and essentially have like your cache of works that inspire you whether it's the Sistine Chapel or it's the Hollywood like um, stars of fame so there's there's a lot of different things that you can engage with it on that um, on that platform and then also for our artists there's the arts and culture experiments collection which I really like um, they currently have a initiative called hack to help COVID-19 and mm-hmm. it's where in the midst of the challenges that are being faced with the coronavirus outbreak, we've, Google, been inspired to help the, sm- uh, the small hacks people are making to help in any way they can. So we've created this page as a resource cool. for others who might want to help, whether it means creating something, contributing to others' efforts, or simply volunteering your time to those in need. That's cute. It's really cool. Um, The Experiments Collection has some of the more engaging and um, thought-provoking types Mm -hmm. of experimentation because it's artists working with Google's coders to create things. Um, It's where you get the... um, Do you remember... (laughs) Do you remember the museum selfie where they take a picture of you and they try to match you to... A, um, a painting. A painting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that came out of the experiments collection. Hmm. I like those series. Yeah. Um, and while like, I'm highly suspect of Google art and culture just to begin with, um, because of the fact that it kind of comes back to that larger picture of like, well, who defines what is art and culture? <laughs> It's always really suspect when a tech giant is the one doing it. But, like, it's also cool and really awesome just to have the resource available and for it to be a free – well, to have it be a free resource that you can engage with because it's not just looking at art. It's also articles that you can find on it. It's projects. It's – it's forums and it's people and it's community and it's hours and hours and hours of, of content, pure, pure art. Yeah. And I love it. I love it I very mean, much. Also, even it's what I've been doing these past five days. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's like a tech giant, they do hire like legit uh people who have knowledge on these things yeah uh last year uh i think in november we were uh, our university took us to berlin to mm-hmm. see to, to go on tours and to see museums and actually talk to uh people representing these museums or collections and we got to go to the google offices in berlin as well and we talked to the representative of the Google Arts and Culture. And uh, 
he told us a lot of interesting stuff all about this and it was i mean it's not like they're putting in charge people who absolutely don't know anything about art and uh are working from scratch no these are people who yeah, no. who know that know what they're doing and have been doing it for a long time and uh take a a lot of care in what they do and i mean sure it, it is a giant uh mm-hmm. but i mean did, have you seen their offices <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> they have oh, like man. gyms I... and stuff in them and like sauna rooms <laughs> i don't know it's just it's really f- it's it's both fantastic because of the fact that it exists and it's a beautiful thing to have exist but it's also important to kind of challenge where your information comes from and to make your own informed decisions no true completely true i mean we wrote all of this on google docs so and our (laughs) our podcast email is a (laughs) gmail account so i'm not i am clearly not anti-google in any capacity it's just It's just important to think about. And I mean, it's important to think about where your information comes from. I think we'll do a whole episode on this at some point, but like challenging an institution's perspective. Yeah. Of like, just because it's the Met doesn't mean you should trust what comes out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if they're willing to lay off people just because they want to save a couple. I just... <laughs> How's uh, your museum still be handling it? So you work at a, a, a uh, what, what, what's your museum called again? <laughs> My museum is called the Museum of Tolerance. Tolerance, right, yes. right. Here in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh yes. And we're handling it. Um, everyone's working from home. Yesterday we had a Zoom conference. So I work in the department mostly with volunteers and education. If it's possible to put boundaries on that kind of things. Um, Mm -hmm. So all the volunteers and some of the um, staff members joined into the Zoom conference. It's a lot of fun to see everyone gladly sitting at home. So the Museum Mm -hmm. of Tolerance is just for your and our listeners. Um, it's a museum about history and uh, mostly talks about the Holocaust. Um, it also talks about tolerance and I guess in a broader sense and acceptance and civil rights and like human rights issues in the world. So besides the historical context, mm-hmm. it also has the, like a contemporary, um, shade, um, to it. So, we also had a few Holocaust survivors joined in into the conference. It was very cute to see them and just, you know, Aww. staying safe at home. And yeah, but it's working. It's working. They're yeah. very, they either have someone who helps them or they're very tech savvy. These people are the rocks of our society. So, oh God. Yeah. So, what the museum <laughs> is doing, agree. I think we're going to have a few. We usually have. Holocaust survivors come in um, to speak at the museum every day, at least a few. So I think we're going to have a few Mm. actual conferences that people can join in and listen to their testimonies. And other than that, the content of the museum is very, I don't know, you just have to be there to experience it. It's not something that you could turn into a virtual tour that easy. So I guess we're just going to keep it on the low. And uh, Mm. yeah. But one of the other things that the museum does is uh, programs for educators. So I know that we're moving that into an online platform as well so that people can join in from afar. But yes, we're, um, I mean, there are also some of the Holocaust survivor testimonies online. So if you go to the to museumoftolerance.com, they, there's they're there. It's only a few, but it's it's still nice to you know to have access to that kind of information if you need some. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, and so nice how your museum is handling it uh, in a sense that they're still going on with their work, even though it's remote now and it's not like uh, the space not being available and the the museum being shut down is actually stopping people from still wanting to work and still wanting to do their their due diligence and like do these uh, questionnaires or uh, what did did you say forums yeah for sure yeah well you know we're trying to keep ourselves busy but um, yeah I was just I was curious like I saw your like um, you know I saw all the articles um, about museums laying off people and I stumbled upon one about MoCA which is the Museum of Contemporary Art in LA and I've been there uh, it's just so sad they yeah. they laid off half of their staff, like ninety seven mm-hmm. people that work there part time, and it's it's mm. just so painful to read these kind of things. And oh. I don't know, and you know, you it's just like people that work with education, that people w- that w- work with um, installing exhibitions, um, things like that. It's like it's just like stabs my heart. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they're quote unquote expandable. Yeah, exactly. Which, as oh, you know, makes it's makes sad. me makes me think about us as well as young professionals yeah. looking for work constantly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I try not to think about that because I don't need to cry myself to sleep any more than I already do. You know. I know. I know. <laughs> yes. Um. I will say of online resources that like have popped up, I really, I really am. What's the word? I'm really am hopeful of what is happening, right? Because this isn't the, the economic impact of this is what we're ultimately afraid of. But I think the fact that, Museums especially have been so quick in shutting down and going remote to protect not only their visitors, but also their Hmm. staff and to to come up with new ways to engage with their audiences. I mean, for some of these places, it was immediate. Same day that they closed, they then opened up free tours or they put forward like experience. Um, it'll probably, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do after this, but the Berlin Philharmonic yeah. mm-hmm. um, offered a free month of membership to their online streaming services. The Metropolitan Opera is having weekly evening streams mm, yeah. of their um, HD series of live operas. Yeah, beautiful. Which, by the way, at me <laughs> if you're watching it because I can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But it's so it's so cool because it's like, and and you do see people who are trying to protect um, these heritage sites now, where people are still going. Um, the the note that you have here, where it's like that. Um, Museums in Cairo, in Egypt, are getting sprayed mm. down with um, sanitizer yep. yeah. to protect the relics, mm. you know, um, and to to prevent, like, any further damage or anything that could potentially come from um, sustained periods without maintenance or conservation. Um yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good thing to disinfect museums. I mean, everyone touches yeah. stuff. I mean, not for, for example, like paintings, of course not, but glass casings. Speak for yourself. And, <laughs> do you touch painting? <laughs> Please don't touch. Stop it. <laughs> But like glass casings and like the uh, like the 
uh, what are they called? I'm not sure what they're called. Uh, the sculptures that are made mm. next to the originals so yeah. that you can touch, yeah. uh, like, oh, yeah, so, mm-hmm. so. the t- like the um, the copies that they make. Yeah, and with the Braille text and everything for blind people. Uh, I mean, to wipe those all down, it's like essential, I think. Um, To not, to stop further spread, even when, like, the museum opens back up again. Uh, So, yeah. Um, I know that, like, you... Like you were talking about earlier, that the Guardian, the web, like um, the newspaper, mm. does have that huge list of things that have been shut down due to COVID. Yes, um, we'll have that link on our sites. Yeah, um, just so that you can keep abreast of like what's happening and what is still closed and what will remain closed. Yeah, it's a huge going list. forward because. <laughs> I mean, people were talking about how things could start opening up now in April, but I don't see that. Eurovision was canceled. Eurovision. <laughs> the Tonys were postponed. It was finally being held somewhere I was, too. Honestly. <laughs> this is a punishment to the Dutch probably. Probably. Take that. Probably. Um... <laughs> For not hiring me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's the curse that the country gets. Yep. That's the kind of petty energy I want to bring into 2020, actually. (laughs) Tokyo was full Um, of these tiny flags saying welcome to 2020 and these tiny figures that they created for the Olympic Games. And I was like, no, 2020 did not begin yet. It has not. It's canceled. It has been Take a pause. We've canceled it. <laughs> it's a pop. Stop it. Until uh, further notice. <laughs> until further notice. Until next year. <laughs> until next year. Until, until next 2021. Year. Oh 2020 is canceled. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Harry well, Styles was coming um, to the Netherlands. Oh, That's also canceled. God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I finally talked I just, Fernand into coming with me <laughs> to the oh, concert. Oh well, no. Will he come with you in 2021? <laughs> <laughs> he better. <laughs> better. He legally has to. He legally has to. His word that's is... a part of the uh, that's a part of the new stimulus package. Yeah. All boyfriends yeah. have to join. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, I mean, but I think that's the beautiful thing while this is all very upsetting and very stressful and very like uncertain because we don't know what to expect and we don't know like to move forward what is actually expected of us. Um, I think what we're just trying to say is even though you can't go to a museum, you don't have to abandon your pursuit of arts and heritage like her like arts and heritage um it is still out there and it is still important and it is still valuable and it does inspire so much more than like anything that we have words to put toward um towards it we are creatures that will continue to move towards creating and sharing and engaging with and critiquing and loving and hating art so much. (laughs) It's our nature. It's a part of what makes us human. It's a part of what makes us civilizations and societies. Artists are still creating art. Please go support your local artists in these tough times as much as you can, whether that's uh, financially, if you have the means to do so by sending them money to their Patreons or to their coffees or to their just <laughs> Venmoing them five bucks <laughs> or, or even like Mark uh, spreading the word about them and sharing their work online. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, 
it's it's a hard time that we're in right now. And while I was doing like the research for and reading all the articles and the news of what was going on in the art world, I got so discouraged that I just stopped taking notes and just made a whole list of stuff that I like and listen to and and watch like my favorite YouTubers <laughs> and my favorite podcasts and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, it's essential to focus on the positive stuff and there are there is so much out there there's so much out there and we're still together in all of this as much as we can be as much as two voices three voices in your ears (laughs) can be we are in this together and even if we are on completely opposite sides of the world quite literally in our case um we do still have the capacity to share our experiences with one another, to share our art with one another and to share our stories because at the end of the day, all we have are stories. Yeah. (laughs) True. Hashtag deep. (laughs) Hashtag what? Hashtag deep. Deep. Hashtag preach. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, we're trying our best, and obviously, like I said, by the time this episode comes out, everything we've ever talked about will be completely different. <laughs> Probably. Probably. And, and that's wild to think about, but also, like, we, we don't have to succumb to this as a concept of punishment or of purgatory or of anything, like... I understand that if you're stuck at home and you're panicking because what the fuck are you going to do in three weeks when the pandemic has passed through your town and you've not worked in over a month? But, like, don't, don't succumb to the dark thoughts. No, take it and day by let day. Let yourself be inspired by what exists and what will be created and what will exist in our, you know, in our Anthropocene. Yeah. In our environments, in our natures, in our people, and how many people want to see you make it through this. I mean, time is not over. It's just stopped for a minute and, uh, It's you need to take it day by day and you need to um, still connect with people and still stay uh, the same as you were. And the world will eventually fix itself and we will do it by helping it and staying at home and doing everything we can to contain this virus that's spreading around the world right now. And in the end, we'll come out of this and we will look back on it and it'll just be seem ridiculous and funny of how we were stuck at home for like a month without being able to leave. <laughs> and it's just going to... Tell gonna... your mom she has to get out of the house more than she does. <laughs> yeah, 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 I will. But it's in the um... genes. <laughs> It's in the genes. If you've made it this far in this episode, um, I just want to kind of put it in here. There's a really fantastic breakdown of the whole COVID-19 situation. Um, This podcast will kill you on the Exactly Right Network. um, Has a six-part series dedicated to all things COVID. Mm. And um, they're fantastic epidemiologists who talk to researchers who are either talking, uh, who either did research on COVID, like, like on coronavirus beforehand, or are doctors who are on the front lines of trying to um, to survive this, mm-hmm. and or people who are actually researching the vaccine right now. So um, I would go and give them a listen. The series is like six hours long in total, but they do a really great job of going through 
every aspect of it and it's manageable and it's great. And I think you guys would really benefit from listening to it, especially if you're not like a hundred percent sure of where to stand in the, with the medical side of it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. And we've got each other. (laughs) We do got each other. (laughs) Oh, we've got each other across the world. We've got art. And I'm going to watch so much Met Opera. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a time when people start doing things that they did not do before. Like, I don't know, clean their drawers and watch. I'm finally reading Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah. Me. Oh, see? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just cleaned my kitchen floor, I guess. Ooh, hell yeah. <laughs> We're all doing something new here. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, this is our life now. Yeah. Uh, things are probably going to change a lot here on the um, BiWEP page. Um, we're obviously stuck at home, so we're going to um, try to create more content for you guys. Yeah. We're not entirely sure how that's going to look, but we'll keep you posted. And just thank you for sticking this out with us. Yeah. You have no choice because you love us. Unconditionally. <laughs> yes, you do. Like I do. <laughs> but we appreciate it all the same. <laughs> so this has been Elena. And Stephanie. And Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> all right, team. Three, two, one. Go on. But <laughs> and thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> We'll see you next time. See you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for having me. Of course, Always. Bye. 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 He's a dude. Guys, you should have been drinking Corona beer. Oh, allow me to tell you. Yeah, it's so cheap. (laughs) Allow me to tell you that it's all we've been drinking. (laughs) I love Uh, that. I cannot tell. So we'll do a quick little segue before we get into like what it is we'll be talking about. But like my parents are really bad at this whole like. Well, like any boomer, my parents are really bad at this self-quarantining thing. So they decided to have like a boat trip this past weekend because we're Floridians and why not? So they've exclusively Mm. stocked their cooler with Corona beer and they kept making really bad jokes. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Like I got Corona. Oh no, (laughs) Corona or the only cure to Corona is lime. I hate it, guys. I was doomed to have shitty humor from the very beginning.